Hey everyone, welcome back to Engineering Etc. I'm Tony Casera. Joining me is my friend and colleague, Gabriel Grover. Hello everyone. Good to be back. Yeah, today we're going to talk about our career histories as software engineers. So neither of us is a classically trained software engineer. We both got into it through alternative means, but I think that it would be really interesting to kind of go into our histories and talk about what led us on the path to become software engineers and what we were doing before and after we made the transition. Let's go way back. So let's talk about like maybe, what, when did you have your first job? Like my first, first job? Yeah, what was your first job? Like, <laughs> it was you, a movie theater. <laughs> you worked in a movie theater? Okay, yeah. wait, how old were you? Like 16. 16, okay. So my first job, I was 18, I want to say. I wanted to work, but my parents were like, no, you focus on high school. I was like, fine. And my first job ended up being an internship at the, the oh my God, this is going to make me sound like such a privileged white kid. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to say this, except I came from a very fortunate upbringing, but <laughs> I was an intern at TUTV, which was a satellite distribution company for Univision, which is one of the largest Spanish language cable networks in the United States. It might be the biggest. I don't remember. No, Telemundo might be bigger. Anyhow, gigantic. And my dad happened to work for the guy who owned it. So I got an internship there and- nice. Basically, didn't get paid the first summer that I worked there. It was just to have on my resume to have something. But they liked me enough. They asked me back. So like the next two or three summers, I came back and worked for them and they actually paid me. So nice. that was that was my first job. Mine was not as glamorous. I wish I had had a job forcing me to interact with people like that because I did later on. I did work at a Starbucks at one point uh, yeah. just because I was like, I just need something to do in between things. And like, boy, I feel like. I got some great life perspective <laughs> from the few months that I worked there. Oh, yeah, sure. There's no shortage of... Uh, if, if you have a lack of inspiration and you're younger, work a shitty job. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'll it'll uh, it'll teach you like a lot of lessons. So, yeah, there's like a lot of lessons in, those, in, that, in that kind of work for sure. Wait, I've had many. <laughs> I have. So your first job was a movie theater. I had an internship. Did you work throughout college? Yeah, as a, a math tutor. Yeah. Yeah, so you were a math major, right? After, like, several changes, like every other indecisive really? person you of that age. Really? You changing your major, huh? Yeah. What'd you first, what were you first majoring in? Oh, God, I don't even... I think econ, and then I switched to computer science briefly, and then decided I hated programming, then, <laughs> and then... <laughs> did did a math then then settled on doing mathematics and then ended up <laughs> programming for a job that's so funny because when i was in college i was always i was going to be business my my dad was an executive at a company i was like i'm going to be just like my dad i'm going to be an executive i was a management major first and then someone got it in my head halfway through that hey management majors can't get jobs get it like a an actual like skill or whatever so i switched to marketing instead because i really liked branding and stuff like that uh -huh. and so then i switched i don't think it would have really mattered in retrospect but it's interesting you mentioned about not wanting to program because my first exposure to program was in high school i took summer courses because they, they offered them at my high school and like i really liked c plus plus i was like this is cool i could do this and then the next summer they were like oh we're gonna teach you java now that's actually where all the jobs are in it. and i was like i hate java this sucks i never <laughs> want to do programming again and then like i did actually ap computer science in high school and i had a teacher who just didn't teach i think i've told you about this before he he was more interested in teaching the varsity football team that he coached than than teaching us so i just thought i didn't have a mind for it. i'm like i'm just not smart enough 
And yeah, totally. The funny thing is in college, I had to take an elective that ended up being like an intro to web development or something. And I had the highest score in the class. And the teacher was like, yeah, you got like, I I did all the extra credit. I had 110% in the class, whatever it was. And he's like, you're really good at this. I was like, great. I'm not good at it though. So I'm not going to be pursuing it. Like I gave it 110%. (laughs) I I wish, I wish I could just go back and be like, dude, switch to computer science. It doesn't matter if you get all C's, just do it, get through it and get a job in it. But that is not the path that I took. After college, I went through multiple like marketing type jobs. I was a marketing associate at a startup that really I was someone's secretary. Like that's how they could sell it to to the CEO is that it was that it was a marketing associate, but I was really a secretary. I didn't last two months there because I wanted to do marketing stuff and she wanted me to be her secretary. I'm like, that's not what I was hired for. So they fired me. In fact, I think that's the only time I've been explicitly fired in my career other than being laid off at Twitter, but they, they fired me. And then I got another job at a call center at a startup that was just, oh my God, I could do a whole episode about call centers, a uh, <laughs> horrible experience, but also like you learn a lot about talking to people, which is very interesting, but just horrible experience. <laughs> people who work in call centers, shout out to you, man. That's a rough job. Did you, uh, oh, what's that movie? Thanks for calling. Oh, it's really good. You should see it. Oh, I've never heard of it. It's, it's about call centers. It's it's about a bunch of other things okay. that 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 is the backdrop, but it's it's actually really good. Boots Riley is the director. Okay. Yeah, it's it's good. You should. It's it's a comedy, but it's like a kind of absurdist comedy. Yeah, but it's good. Anyways, yeah. So what what did you do then out of college? So you you were a math major ultimately. You mm-hmm. were tutoring in math. You finished college. What's the first job you took? I just kept doing that and kind of meandered through life, just, you know, enjoying my 20s, really. That's really interesting because I'll I'll get to it in a few jobs, but I ultimately kind of ended up in a similar situation where after working in the call center, I worked in a, in a news station, which also my father was somehow managing. Like, I just, I didn't know where to go at that point. And he was like, hey, I need someone here. I was like, okay, fine. Like I ended up there for a bit and like, so I actually really like the news job. I feel like I learned a lot and people, people are pretty cool who work in like local news and stuff like that. There's a lot that of That does cool sound people. pretty awesome. I would love to have that job. Yeah. That sounds oh, fun. I, I wish you could have met the guy who was my boss, this guy, Brian Shields, rest in peace, Brian Shields. I loved that guy. He was, he was so outspoken and crazy. He was from Dallas, which is so funny. <laughs> Big metal head. Like this, this guy was like. And he was friends with everyone in the metal community. He was like the the key moderator on like Avenged Sevenfold's forum and like got invited <laughs> to all these like niche metal bands, like concerts and stuff. He got to review albums before they came out. And he was like the, the lead online news coordinator at, at Cron 4 in San Francisco. Yeah. I really wish I met a moderator of a forum. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a funny guy. You know what though? He taught me some good stuff. Like with online, like managing like online channels and stuff. He's like, if anyone's like mouthing off, like just ban them. Don't even think about it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I mean, that's what I do with my YouTube channel. It's great. <laughs> but after that, I was like really lost. I didn't know what to do. So I moved back to Cali- or California. I was in California. I was in the Bay Area at the time because uh, that's where I went to school. I moved back to Los Angeles and I started doing in-home computer service, which it turns out in Malibu where my parents live, like a lot of people need help with computers because they're older people, Gen Xers and boomers who have money, but don't have kids or people around who can show them how to use their computers. So I charged money to do that. And I kind of did what you were talking about where it's like, I made money off of that. Like I lived at home with my parents, so I didn't have to pay rent. And I just kind of bummed around for a couple of years, like 
trying to see like what else I might do, like picking up a couple other jobs. Like I was a production assistant. I was trying to produce music. I tried to become a voice actor at one point, nice. which is funny. Cause like here, this where we're recording this, this is voice caster in Burbank. I used to come here every Wednesday to do the warm ups. The, the person who's recording us right now, Catherine, I've came here so many times and she directed me through the warm ups. It was so much fun, but like <laughs> basically I tried all these things out That's and cool. Like I was kind of like you in that, like I had enough money to get by, but like, I wasn't really able to get fully independent. And I was like, I've just had enough of this. And like that, that was the moment when I like, was like, I'm looking at software engineering. Cause I knew a friend who had done it the year prior and decided to like go to a, the same boot camp he went to. I was like, I'm just going to follow exactly what he did. Cause he has a job now that pays him well. Yeah. For me, it's really hard to be motivated by altruistic goals. So I really just kind of ran out the clock until I was desperate enough to make a we're like basically a fire lit under my ass to you know make something happen I mean that sounds just, very similar to me you get yeah. to a point where you're like I don't have any other options and I'm <laughs> approaching 30 here so yeah. I gotta do something <laughs> yeah yeah once like for those of you like under 25 or whatever like there's at least for me there's like this like right around 25 to 27 you start getting like that ticking clock feeling and it sucks but it's 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 good for motivation (laughs) it is i remember i remember very much it was around my 25th birthday it really started to hit me what am i doing with my life i was still living in san francisco and like working in this news station and just kind of like really directionless with my life and i was like what am i doing and like moving back and like i saw like i moved back and i like went to therapy and stuff like that like i really tried to work through this and like ultimately like i landed in that like role for a while like helping people with their computers and stuff like that was fine while i figured it out and then finally like around i think i was 20 oh my gosh 29 when 28 or 29 when i made the decision to finally do software engineering because i was like i'm gonna be 30 and like i don't have a career path i don't have something i can do for the next 10 or 20 years while i figure out what i want to do with my life right like they don't have to be the same thing and i think in your 20s you really want that thing your life purpose to also be what you do for like for work you know like you want it to all be the same thing Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Like you, you want it to be your definition in a way. And like some people just work as their definition, but also like, oh, you know, someone who works as a, as a salesman or something like sales is their life as well or whatever. But like something I realized as like, I started to go like more towards 30 years old and like becoming, this is like a fulfilling life is multifaceted. So like you have hobbies which have no monetary gain to you, but they fulfill you in some way. You have a job which maybe doesn't fulfill you in terms of like, you know, everything that you love about it, but it gives you money to pursue hobbies and other things. And maybe you have a side gig that you want to do as well. And like life is actually so much better when you have multiple things going on than when you're focused solely on one thing, because I think that you just get, you get lost in it, you know? Yeah. And it's fine when you're younger to do that. You should get lost in it so that you can have that experience and that perspective. And like, it's fun to go deep on things, you know, and it's something that you can do in controlled amounts as you get older, but like... Totally. I I think the, the thing with that though is, or the risk of that, which is what I went through, is I didn't go deep on like constructive things. It was deep in like vice or <laughs> just you know partying a lot and do other which is i'm glad i did it was fun and it wasn't to the point where like i was 
on the street homeless. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that, but it was just like, you know, average American kid, 20s, you know, partying. (laughs) I mean, I I had that stage too. I think it was really like part of college and after college. Like if I had like any regret about it, it's just that I didn't stop sooner because like i'm glad i had the experience because it's like you know hey i get this out of my system i get to see what it's like but like i'm also just like there's a couple of those years where i'm just like i could have really been more focused on some of the things that i'm trying to be focused on now like i wish i had started sooner and honestly maybe having that experience gives me the motivation now to be more invested in it you know yeah it's so hard because we're like kind of talking like counterfactuals right yeah Uh, you don't know what would happen if you did something differently yeah and there's no reason to get hung up on that either everyone's life is their own individual journey and you know totally most successful startup founders are in their 40s so (laughs) i still got time (laughs) okay so what uh what exactly i guess yeah talk on your experience like so you made the decision what was that like I was in Austin at that point. My parents had relocated to Austin and I decided to go with them. I was like, maybe Austin will be for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's growing, whatever. This was seven years ago. And you already ago. made the decision to start studying? To- Not yet. Oh, okay. I was in Austin at the time. And I had talked to a friend about it, and I remember mulling it over in my mind, and I was like, kind of not certain on it. And then I got a job with this woman, great person, but she was an insurance salesman, basically. She sold life insurance. And like working for her was nice and everything, but I remember I had to like cold call people. It was like being in the call center. I had to cold call people to try to get them to talk to her about buying insurance. And I remember dreading it so much. Like that was kind of the final breaking, like the final thing that broke the the camel's back where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm never doing, I'm never being in this situation again. And like, I just looked into it. They had like a pre course you could do like for free, like to see whether or not it was for you. And like, I did that and I was like, I could do this. This isn't that hard. This is like writing C++ again in, in A high school. A pre-course for what? Sorry. For the code school that I went to. Oh, oh, okay. So I did a little bit of that. And I was like, I could totally do this. And so like I did their little online assessment for newbies and like I got accepted. And I was originally going to go to the one in Austin, but they were like, there's a lot of pre-course now that we give you that you need to do before you get here. Basically getting familiar enough with coding that we're not teaching you like how to define a variable or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just didn't have the time to do it. And they were like, the thing is, we're not going to have another one here in Austin for at least three months. And I was like, I really don't want to wait four or five months to get into this because I'm going to lose steam. So I made this decision to go to the one in San Francisco because they had one that started the month after. And they were like, you can totally finish in time for that. And I did all the pre-course and I went and for 12 weeks, this was Hack Reactor that I went to. It was just six days a week, 12 hours a day, like at this like place, just learning like about all this stuff. And like, it was an experience that I allowed myself to have. I said like, this isn't going to be forever. Like you're just going to do this once and then you're going to get into a job and have more reasonable work-life balance, which wasn't always the truth, but I would say for the <laughs> most part has been. And yeah, the the rest is history after that. We can talk more about like the software journey after that. I want to hear more about like how you got into it though, because you were self-taught. How old were you at this point too, when you were, when you were switching? 25. So you're 25. You've been doing the math tutoring for a while. Yeah. And you're thinking about how, you know, I'm kind of out of time here. Math tutoring isn't going to pay the bills forever. Yeah. And I was making a, it was, I was going to, maybe go to grad school which i'm glad i didn't do yeah me too <laughs> um because i don't know i don't want to like talk shit on 
people who tried who decided to go that route, but most of the grad students that I had experience with while I was an undergrad, it seemed like they were just there to avoid being in the real world. One hundred percent. That has been my experience too. And I- when and when it ended, like when their master's degree ended and they were now had to make the decision to go further in PhD or you just saw like just a look of total dread. And that's just my interpretation of what they were going through internally. I didn't know for sure, but that's what I was going through internally. My, my main motivation for even starting grad school as well. I can meander longer. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah. yeah, that just might be a self report on for me. But uh, yeah, just, I I had a really good friend who was kind of always been a. I met him at community college when we when I went to community college, and, and I don't have any siblings or anything, so never had someone to look up to that wasn't a parent, you know. Yeah. And so he he kind of like f- really helped me with like giving me advice, you know, life advice that wasn't from like my parents you know he was still around my age way more than my parents were he was just like a really motivated individual he went into software engineering knew the state i kind of was in and it's like and he had a his his job had an office in santa monica and he said you just come by and check it out i think you might be into this and that was at pivotal labs so that's kind of after i saw that and saw like the you know, like the the environment, it reminded me a lot of school, which was nice because it's something that was familiar. Yeah. School and like the sense of collaborating, learning stuff together and working on a project together, which I did a lot of in, in, while I was going to school. And I just started teaching myself. So I had to get a job to while I was studying. And so I got a QA job at a a company called ABC Mouse, which I know ABC Mouse <laughs> yeah. in Glendale. Yep. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, and literally doing manual QA of you know logging into an app like a billion times in one day. You, you know, for a children's application. Yeah, yeah. it was. It I mean, was. I guess it's relevant experience, though. Not really. Did you Did you put on your resume when you were applying for your first? software engineering job no okay well my first software engineering job was there so oh okay okay i have a really good friend chad post who who still works there and he was able to get me that first qa job which i mean it's not you don't really need that much experience but he was able to like get my resume through the door right yeah and at that point from then point from that point i just was studying and when a position opened up in that company i applied there and that was my first dev job interesting cool so you were already there so that kind of helped you out that they knew you they liked you and like yeah i snuck in there buddy (laughs) well we talk about (laughs) i weaseled in (laughs) referrals are like the number one way to to get a job right just get someone to like vouch for you or just pass you literally hand the resume to to the person in hr totally no one literally hands anything anymore but to forward that email to hr and say hey look at this person's resume right yeah it helps to know that someone who's already working there refers you because they know hr at least knows you 
probably won't grope someone. Yeah, exactly. There's there's at least a little bit of trust established that they're probably a relatively normal person to <laughs> yeah. work with. Yeah. Yeah. And so you end up there. So you're at ABC Mouse. Actually, let me stop for a second. You told me on a previous episode, it took you about a year of studying before you got that job, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was working in QA for like a year. So you QA'd for a year, you studied. Now, what did studying look like for you? Like, how did you teach yourself? Yeah. So... I don't know if you remember, like, th- so this was around 2015, 2016. Yeah. And, uh, like, just really lucky that at that point when I decided to study, there was, like, a real proliferation of self-teaching stuff happening. I know we have a lot now, but... There was still a lot back then, too, like... Well, that I... I there was an explosion of that, like around that time. Like even my code school had stuff from online courses that they had us go through as part of the curriculum. Totally, and but before that, there was it was kind of the university was your only choice, only yeah. choice, and it just the market provided in that sense because there was a, there was a huge demand for it, and it was just already there, and so definitely used Udemy a lot. Stephen Greider had I. He probably got me my first job. He had, he didn't pay me to say that. I just <laughs> I really like his courses. It's they're really good, and so I would do that. And then for I I would take classes that. So the type of classes Stephen Greider had were just flat out. This is how you use React and stuff, right? So I did a mixture of framework stuff like that, but then really just learning to program. I think is essential. So like doing the annoying algorithm problems, like really doing those every day. I I probably had like, before I got my first dev job, I would say 2,000 hours of studying or more. Yeah. And even that, I feel, even after that, I was still extreme novice, you know? Totally. And there's always something else to learn, right? Like we've been doing this for six, seven years now and it's like, there's still, I, I know where my knowledge ends and where it could, you know, begin to expand. Like totally. I'll never be done learning. And so what I would do is like the, the QA job was easy and I wasn't trying to excel at it. Yeah. Right. So I would study while I was supposed to be working. I mean, I would sometimes <laughs> spend all eight hours studying. Really? And that, that really helped. And yeah, I guess it's slightly unethical, but then that, that same company hired me for those exact skills. So in a way, it was to their benefit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you're technically learning on the job, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I view that point in my life just kind of as like a very low-paid internship. Well, yeah, a QA job's not exactly glamorous or high-paid. This wasn't like writing automated testing. This wasn't like QA engineering, yeah. right? This was literally I'm opening an app and doing the onboarding flow of an app. Yeah. A thousand times a day. Yeah, a manual <laughs> regression test. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, QA engineering, that's a whole different thing. Like writing automation tests, that's great. Give me more of those people. I yeah. hate having to write my own automation <laughs> tests. But So yeah, that's kind of how I did it. It was like a longer, windier road than how people usually come into this field, at least from the stories I've heard. But it worked out. Well, so after that, then, so you're at ABC Mouse. My first job was at an agency company in Orange County that was with, I worked for Bethesda. Basically, as as a hired engineer, they would just say, like, we need this many engineer hours a week. They, you know, assign engineers to it. There were, like, 60 of us in that office working for Bethesda from the West Coast. 
And like it was it was a pretty good gig as like a first gig to have in terms of like they were really strict on like how they wanted engineering done and thought about maybe to the point that sometimes it was overkill. Like I remember once someone said, like, think about if you can center this div without Flexbox. And I'm like, MDN says use Flexbox to center (laughs) stuff like come on now. Like, I'm not going to do transform, translate X, Y, 50% to, like, make it fit in the center. That's just silly. <laughs> like, sure, I can use text align and vertical align or whatever, but, like, that's, you know, only in certain situations. Certain child elements don't respond to that. <laughs> you want you want to put me to sleep? It's having a conversation on HTML <laughs> and CSS <laughs> or styling in any way. I'm just... Oh my God. I hit like, I don't know if you remember, like at, uh, at Thrive, so many front end engineers were so obsessed about th- those types of things. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I was one of them. I, I'll admit it. I was definitely obsessed with it. And I still really like solving CSS problems. Like, if someone has a CSS problem, I'm like, I'm the person. Come to me. No, no. I mean, like, like, like not oh the right prob- way to do it yeah mean? yeah yes like- which at this point i've let go of so much of that where i'm just like as long as you're using semantic elements so it's accessible and we don't get sued for you know not being accessible like totally i, I don't really care how you do it you want to nest a bunch of divs yeah it sucks but fine if you if you get it done fine i'm, I'm not gonna you know block your pr for it yeah and the and like the and like arguing about like do we do tailwind do we do <laughs> That's that's that is definitely an episode, another episode. I think for another day. Although it sounds like you really don't want to talk about stuff. Maybe we're going to bring in a a guest to talk about that stuff because I might have to. I have strong feelings on that one. But I guess so. Back to to the career progression. Then so I was at this company, Varus, and then a year later, I ended up at Thrive Market. Where was Thrive for you after ABC Mouse? No, no. So that. So what ha- I I faced my first so got my first job and then experienced my first tech layoff on my first no job. No way you got laid off from ABC Mouse. Yeah, so the oh. whole team got shuttered. Oh no. Like that the team probably had Was this React Native? No, no, no. This was okay. this was ju- this was not even React. This was just straight JavaScript. No jQuery or anything? No, because Whoa. we had to. It's it's like it's for kids, right? So parents give kids their old devices. Oh. So we had to support <gasps> old browsers, super old browsers. You're talking like IE8 or something? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. So it's just like pure JavaScript, which was good because I just did like straight JavaScript for like the first couple years of my career. So like, well, how long were you at ABC Mouse then before you got laid off? Like a couple of years. Okay, so you get laid off from ABC Mouse. What'd you do after that? I went to so my girlfriend at the time had a friend had had a friend. I forget her name, but her husband was and a software engineer and was trying to like build his own was was trying to do more like private contract gigs, you know? Yeah, and he got a. Instagram fitness influencer hired him to build her a fitness app. I remember this. Okay, yes. yes. Yeah, and he was going to do it in React Native and then he we like we met through our lady friends <laughs> and talked and then was like, "Yeah, let's do this." And I never touched mobile dev. I didn't even really know React all that much. Yeah. Never did back end. 
and I had to do all of those. Yeah. Massively underpaid because it was a con. It was a flat fee. Yeah. Uh, so two thousand dollars. We'll build your React Native app. <laughs> yeah, it was more than that. But <laughs> like, I probably honestly like if I did the calculation of like the amount of hours I put in, it was probably below minimum wage. Yeah, that happens a lot. But I extracted so much value from it, and I learned so much because I had to learn under the gun of someone who was spending money and had my phone number and would contact me at all hours of the day. <laughs> um, God. Yeah, so dealing with somewhat like a crazy client while learning at the same time, it was like trial by fire, and I came out at the end of it, you know, just building a full-functioning application with a back-end, with a mobile client. Full-stack app. With a payment system. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, didn't, like, integrating with, like, Stripe and stuff, but I had to integrate that with people signing up on their WordPress site. So I had to like dig into WordPress, write raw JavaScript, making requests to Stripe, and then building a webhook in Stripe to flip some Boolean flag on some database somewhere. It was, it was, it was crazy, but learned so much. And that's, that experience probably enabled me to like do really well in the Thrive Market interview and get that job. And I view that job at Thrive Market as, like my first like really good comparatively anyways like like serious engineering job. yeah mm-hmm. yeah because i feel like you know for all the problems with thrive like it was like in a lot of ways pretty serious on the engineering front you know and i remember so so you went from that job to thrive i i went straight from Veris to thrive after my first year and i remember the first day that i met you they put you over in the corner against the the balcony oh yeah because we didn't have a spot for you yet with the team and i remember one of the first things I asked you to do was to refactor a component into TypeScript. And I just remember like, as we had been trying to get devs to be more proactive about TypeScript, the company, I just remember you returning it to me and me looking at the file and being like, oh my God, this guy did it exactly right. He clearly <laughs> knows TypeScript like, well, like he did, you know, the underscore for private methods and stuff like that. I just remember like being really impressed, like the very first PR you oh, gave thanks, me. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I liked you from the start. I was like, I could tell like this guy's a cool guy, but like I saw that PR and I was like, okay, this is great that he's on my team. Nice. <laughs> and, and just being like, cause there were so many devs who was just like, we were just like, herding cats trying to get them to use TypeScript correctly oh, and effectively. Sure. And like, you know, we, we ended, ended up later with like all those contractors and that was like, some of that was not good. Dude, do you remember when, okay, so I'm going to tell this quick story and see if you remember it, but okay. like, it, it was, I was probably only working like two days or so. And, and I'm like, I go, I pull you aside and I'm like, do you have a YouTube channel? <laughs> I don't remember this. And, and you're like, yeah. And I'm like, did you do a video about like boot camps and stuff? Because before we worked together, I saw that video. I don't remember this conversation. You don't really? remember? So you saw I, my video. I think Julia probably remembers because I remember you telling Julia that someone recognized me because I remember uh, when I was teaching, this, this actually circles back, when I was teaching myself, trying to be, you know, become a developer, a boot camp was an obvious consideration because, you know, you hear, I was hearing like all these stories, like this new way to learn and get a job. And there was, there's even some boot camps that were like doing those 
job guarantees through income like shared income shared agreements, right? Right. Yeah, you give ten percent of your first paycheck to or is or first year's free pay, yeah. or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Um, that was App Academy's model. Yeah, and you don't have to pay anything. So that was an obvious consideration. So yeah, doing research on it, and I think like you came because I definitely remember that video. That's so funny. I can't remember this conversation at all. <laughs> but like, you're not the first person to say that to me. Like when I worked at another company once, I remember someone being like messaging me and being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you work here." Like I've seen your YouTube videos and stuff. <laughs> I was like, "Dang!" Like celebrity shock is something. I'm not even like a big YouTuber, <laughs> like. But like, I guess a lot of engineers really watch it. So yeah. But that's that's so interesting. So you you recognize that we were there at Thrive together, and we worked together for like a year and a half, I think, before yeah. you moved on. Yeah. Right. And then I stayed there for I think just over two years before I moved on. And then. And you you were wanting to move on for a while. <laughs> oh, oh my god, I was so tired of just the the crunch culture and like everything yesterday and like i could say so many things about the company i won't because like it's neither here nor there i still learned a ton working yeah. there especially about ab experimentation if I, if I have one thing i'm grateful for above anything else about working there besides meeting you obviously <laughs> is learning about ab experimentation so early in my career because that's been such like a big skill to have on my resume when i tell employers about that i know that i do ab experimentation they're all like oh oh yeah that's really good and i'm like oh yeah we also did behavior event tracking yes yes we like that too and funnel analysis oh like these are all <laughs> these are all terms that engineers really or engineering hiring managers really like to hear right because they talk about doing it and then no one actually does it but then they start to do it totally and then yeah it's like what, yeah, what I liked from that experience, it just, it helped me just get better at what I do, you know? We had good engineers we worked with. Likewise, like, You know, yeah. we, we had, Yo was the tech lead, right? Yo Wakita. Yeah. And like, he was a really good tech lead, I thought. Yeah, Any, I liked him a lot. Anytime you asked him to review a PR, he was very in-depth and he left thoughtful comments and feedback. Like, he, he He's the nicest dude role. on the planet. <laughs> he is. He is very nice. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, I just, I don't think I ever saw him with a frown once. He's just... Very serene, calm, happy person. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but there were there were lots of cool people there who were like very like they wanted to be engineers. There are also people who were just like this is just a job that pays. You know, totally. like, that was frustrating too. But yeah, it's it was yeah it it was super fun. Very grateful for that experience. And and you know I think the another great lesson from it like just life lesson was just you know knowing when to move on you know yes for sure i think that yeah. in itself is an important quality too because some people just jump jobs every year like never actually knowing whether or not it's the right time just because like that's what they do because they want their pay to go up yeah and like sometimes you need to work longer at a company to really extrapolate more value from the experience there me being there two years which was too long for me quite honestly but i saw that and i knew i was like i know i'm not gaining anything anymore and i know at this Definitely, point yeah. i can't control the direction of the ship anymore either yeah. than i already have that was the same thing for me too i was like i'm, I'm not going to i'm not going to increase my skills here at all i'm doing the same thing and if you let that if you get in that mode and you let that go stale for too long i think that's when the layoffs happen which is always a possibility in this industry you're then left holding the bag and you're, you're like oh 
crap, I haven't improved at all this whole time. Yeah. I have to like, it's like a scramble almost, you know? Yeah. And you um, can't be flexible if you want to maybe change. Like say you're like right. a front end engineer, you're going to have a hard time getting a back end job if you don't have as much relevant experience there. Totally. So maybe if you're like growing, maybe something you want to do is take on more back end tickets to, you know, have that skill set. Yeah. Or like, you know, like DevOps or just doing like, yeah, becoming like definitely well more rounded. And that's, that's, that's considerations that you have to make after you get your first gig obviously oh yeah you're not thinking about this in the first three years of your software engineering journey you are just trying to get good at one thing yeah anyhow i hope you really all enjoyed going down this memory path with us into our careers how where we come from and how we got into this no one's journey is really the same especially with software engineering i think it's one of the great things about this industry is that really all types are welcome there, there were people in my cohort who had been to prison, who got jobs as software engineers at big tech companies after. It's not impossible. And I would say it's even more likely for things like that to happen in software engineering. They just care that you can do the job. And there's not like a lot of regulatory body in our government and in our country that says like, oh, to be a software engineer, you have to have a four-year degree. Otherwise, you're a software developer, which is what the case is, I think, in Canada. Like it's, it's a really, you know, great career path, but it definitely was not without a lot of challenges and a lot of, you know, uh, interesting experiences. But because of that, I get to meet cool people like Gabe and now I'm here. So I'm very grateful for that. What, what are your thoughts, Gabe? Life is not a shortest path algorithm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You tried to strive for that, but you still gain value from not taking the shortest path. Yes, there's a lot of life to live and everything can have reason and meaning if you allow it to. So just try to make sure that you take each day and try to enjoy it, I guess. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) We'll see you in the next episode.